The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix or at bellford.com. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, home of Bar Canada, a north-of-the-border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra-smooth, Arizona-owned. Behind the mask, whether on the ice or in line, we are the Valley headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M-Drive, the presenting partner of What Drives You. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized shower shoes and koozies at icetimehockeysw.com forward slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, it's part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans, especially professional hockey fans that may be listening to us a little bit early today, about 90 minutes early, live on the Podbean app. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona, just freshly back from Las Vegas, where I had a chance to uh, watch some professional hockey. Got a chance to see the Henderson Silver Knights in action. Uh, a lot of fun there. Got a chance to see a little bit of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in uh, in practice and watch them a little bit on TV and on the radio, listen to them. So uh, things are going great guns. Big news in Vegas tonight as well. They are welcoming back 2,600 screaming uh, medieval maniacs into the T-Mobile Arena as uh, a battle for championship spot number one i guess i'd call it let's just say it's just the the top spot in the in the honda west division right now uh vegas right now holding it with 25 points but minnesota in town on a roll looking to uh take over that top spot with a win tonight uh 24 points uh we'll just run down quickly the uh honda west standings because vegas like i said on top of 25 but then minnesota and st louis at 24 colorado at 23 the LA Kings surprising everybody, I think, this year at 22. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes doing some surprising as well at 21. And then Anaheim at 17 and San Jose at 16 round out a very competitive uh, Honda West division in the NHL as we um, approach nearly the midway point in the season already, folks. It's a 56-game season, as you know. And uh, right now, a lot of the teams have played anywhere from 17 to 21 games. So, we're approaching the midway point uh, rather quickly. Lots of fun and good entertaining stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to open the show in just a few minutes with uh, Brendan Shaw. A little bit of everything. Uh, Arizona Kachina's uh, coach. Uh, also going to talk to us about the Rocky Mountain District Championship Tournament being held right in the Phoenix metro area at the Ice Den Scottsdale and Ice Den Chandler. So we'll get the lowdown on that from Brendan when he comes on in just a few minutes. 
And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what he does with Rivals.com. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, a little bit of everything. So that's the first half of the show. After that, we're going to jump in and talk American Hockey League action. As I said, I was uh, in Vegas to see the Henderson Silver Knights in a three-game sweep of the San Diego Gulls, and we'll get into the standings and all that uh, just after uh, the midway point of the show. And I think I'll have my own uh, co-host, Stephen Marsh, joining me to talk some really big news about a goaltender for the Henderson Silver Knights that got a very special award today. So we'll, uh, we'll do all of that after the midway point. Um, when we talk uh, professional hockey, and we talk it on Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, as most people know, if you don't, uh, we do cover uh, Colorado, we cover Arizona, we cover uh, Las Vegas, or Vegas as you would like to put it, uh, in the National Hockey League. But we also cover a lot of AHL hockey. We have the Colorado Eagles, we have the uh, Tucson Roadrunners, we have the Henderson Silver Knights. Next year, just a little tip, we will be expanding to cover pretty much all of the Southwest uh, and the western part, the Pacific Division of the AHL. So we'll add Ontario, we'll add Bakersfield, we'll add um, San Diego. Uh, there, there's a bunch of different things going on, so keep tuned in for that. Um, it, it's really, really good, fun hockey. Even though fans aren't in yet, uh, they're going to start integrating them in, I believe, over the next month or so, and they'll get a chance to see how good American Hockey League action is just a couple of weeks ago, we had the head coach from the Tucson Roadrunner, Steve Potvin, on and had a chance to visit with him about uh, um, his team and the success that they're having. As I said, we'll get into that all in the second half. Uh, but when we talk uh, the NHL part of things, I mean, I think everybody thought, folks, that uh, Vegas would be near the top, St. Louis would be near the top, Colorado, uh, obviously near the top of the division. And all three of those are uh, really legitimate cup contenders um, who thought Minnesota coming in after their changes uh, would be playing the way they are and one point out of first um, who thought the Arizona Coyotes after all the changes they went through over the summertime or off season, if you will, uh, would be at 21 points and just four back of first. So when you look from top to bottom, uh, the golden Knights with 25 points, uh, the Arizona Coyotes in sixth place with 21 points, that's a four point spread between the number one spot and the number six spot, uh, only four of those are going to make the playoffs. So somebody's going to, a couple of those are going to be the odd teams out. So we'll see how it goes. But in a 56-game season, folks, that's the big thing, right? I mean, you don't have much time to uh, to figure things out. you got to get out there and get things done. And, um, you know, you can't go on any extended losing streaks or you, your season, your playoff season might be all over. So, Interesting to see what's going on. Uh, I will say the Vegas Golden Knights have only played 17 games, so while they lead by a point, they have uh, games in hand on everybody uh, in the uh, Honda West Division. And then you look at a team like Arizona and St. Louis, they've obviously played, and Anaheim have all got 21 games in, so they've um, gone right past uh, everybody else in games played at least. But four games in hand for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights over teams like St. Louis and Arizona and Anaheim. So that's something to watch for down the road. Uh, in addition to that, um, you got to watch the COVID things, right? I think Vegas has pretty much had all of their COVID issues ironed out because I think everybody's had it, uh, to be honest with you. 
uh, they've either had it, been exposed to it, or uh, whatever. So uh, they are are clear to go. Uh, I'm not sure about the other teams, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Um, we'll also keep an eye on injuries because in a 56 game season, uh, injuries will play a big role. The other thing I want to talk about before we bring uh, Brendan in is um, the the play of the goaltenders. Oh my goodness, I have seen so much good goaltending in the NHL this year. It, it's just, uh, and the reason I bring that up is when I watch AHL games and I go, that's a really good goaltender. Oh, yeah, he's blocked by one, two, maybe three other goaltenders in the NHL that he's not going to be able to make it. He's just not going to get in. So that's that's kind of the way it's going in the NHL. I think it makes for a fun, short season. I think uh, once everything gets wrapped up and they get back to normal, uh, things will be back to normal. So, Okay, that's uh, enough of that. It's time to talk Rocky Mountain District, Kachina's Hockey. I've got uh, Brendan Sean with me. And, Brendan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm glad to have you on. Um, <laughs> it's been way too long. It really I has. I know it has. It's been, I think, since the uh, summer. <laughs> so, so we're talking professional hockey on Monday nights, but I know you have your hands in a lot of different things, and – you called me today and you said, hey, I just want to remind you that the Rocky Mountain District Championship is going to be played right here in the Phoenix metro area at the Ice Dens. Um, let's talk about it. I said, good. Come, hop on on and let's do it. So before we get into that, tell us what you're doing on and off the ice right now so so people can come up. I, I see your stuff because I, I see the Rivals.com and I see your work with the uh, Arizona Kachinas. But tell everybody out there just what keeps you busy. Well, first and foremost, uh, my company's it's actually called RivalsMedia.com, but we go by Rivals. And Rivals is a fan engagement platform that partners with athletes, celebrities, teams, and leagues to engage fans and raise money for charity. And we just completed our NFL season with a large engagement with the Super Bowl. We were working with Kurt Warner, Doug Flutie, Bruce Arians, and uh, Bryant Young. So we had four games going on during the Super Bowl. So it's very exciting, and uh, things are building into a few other professional sports right now. So we're really excited and really busy. But and uh, that's what my day looks like. And uh, <laughs> and I kept up with that. And that's some really good company you got there when you bring up the names of Kurt Warner, Bruce Arians, guys like that. Exactly. So it was it was very exciting for us. It's a uh, fairly new company, uh, less than two years old, and we've made some major headway, and we have some. Big announcements coming down the the way in the next uh, week or so with some even bigger partners, teams, leagues, etc. So we're really excited about that. Okay, so that's the day job. the The night job, though, is exciting as well. And I've seen the results uh, of your squads and what you've done. So uh, tell us about that. So I this year for the first time am actually coaching two teams. I am coaching <laughs> sixteen double A boys, junior Coyotes. And I'm coaching 16 AA girls, Arizona Kachina. So it's been a extremely exciting, very informative, but very busy uh, schedule. And it's funny that you you, you talked about tonight because tonight is my only day off from hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are, Monday Man, night. Monday nights are my special. Day, right, Monday nights are my <laughs> time to reload. So it's been a, it's been a really really exciting time and. It's interesting because we were I my teams actually won in girls, then in boys, then in girls, then in boys, and we're actually we just finished the uh, round robin for the boys 
state tournament, and the winner of that will go to nationals. And we're starting this weekend for the Rocky Mountain District for the girls, and that's uh, girls and boys, Tier 1 and Tier 2. And it's a big deal because it only comes around once every four years, but what people don't realize is you're seeing the future stars of junior hockey and college hockey and the National Hockey League. And so it's a really really exciting time. That's why I wanted to make sure I followed up with you to make sure your followers understand that there will be future NHLers on the ice this weekend in town, whether it's from the Arizona programs or the Colorado programs or the Texas programs. You've seen players from all over the place come through this, move on to the next level, and then move on to the next level after that. So it's, it's a really exciting time, and a lot of people put in a lot of work from these programs. And it's funny because last year when COVID hit was like three days prior to the regional. So last year there actually right. was no regional tournament. So it, it left a lot of kids heartbroken because you work all season to get to this point, the regional with an opportunity to get to nationals. And when that ends, it just – it just leaves a really strange uh, feeling inside that you just everybody feels incomplete. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I want to get into that in a minute and give it its due. Uh, but before that, uh, it wasn't maybe a month ago, but I saw something on the Kachina's um, website and all over social media. You guys went to Dallas, Texas, and did what? The program, the programs <laughs> ran the table. The, the, the 19 That's what U, I was looking for. 19U, 16U, 14U, and 12U all went in there and won. And this is truly only the second year of the program. And it's a huge feather in the cap to what Lindsey Fry and Matt Schott have done to build this and surround themselves with good people, but also you know, create an experience for these uh, young ladies who are aspiring to be the elite athletes of the future in the women's game. So it's, it, it was it was amazing. It's exciting. And I'll tell you right now, we got uh, three teams ranked in the top 20 nationally already in our second year. So it's, it, it's, it's extremely exciting. And, and the next step is, you know, right now we're playing double A. Next year, the programs are all going triple A. So it's, it's just another phase in the evolution of hockey in Arizona and it reminds me back to 2005, 2006, when boys hockey went from double A to triple A. And that was right. the, the first phase when I was part of starting the PF Changs program, which ultimately became the Junior Coyotes program. And had all these players who were around. And, you know, previous to that, players would all leave. They would right. all leave because they had, to, they had to chase their dream and their goal if they wanted to play at a high level. Arizona didn't offer that for boys in the, in the early 2000s, and it's the same thing with girls. Is we would have girls would have to leave because if they wanted to aspire to the highest level, they had to chase it. Well, now this year going into next year, everything is there for them. Scouts are lining up, tournaments are lining up, and people are saying, well, what are you guys doing there? And it's brought me back 15 years to when – I started it with the boys. So it's, it's really, really exciting, and it's, it's, it's been a wonderful experience. And it's also been really interesting for me because having played and then coached for 20 years, I mean, I've been in hockey since 1978. <laughs> this year, I have a, a group of boys who are very highly ranked at AA at uh, 16U, so that's 04s and 05s. But now I also have a group of girls at the same birth year that I can kind of compare 
notes and, and people say, how do you do it? it? It's not that different because it's the same strategy. It's the same practice plan. So it's not like I'm reinventing the wheel. And, and it was interesting because one of my assistant coaches for the boys has a 14 year old daughter that came and skated with me one day. And he said to her, he said, you know, that's the exact same practice your brother ran yesterday. <laughs> so it's not, it's not any different. And, and we're not holding back the, the teaching, the, the strategy, the execution is all the same. And that's what, why I came in and became involved is ultimately Matt and Lindsay, who I've been fortunate enough to have coached when they were young, came to me and said, what do you think about doing girls? And I said, as long as it works for my schedule, I'm all in and I'm happy to help you get to that next phase. And I got two amazing assistant coaches, Katie McGovern and Casey McGinley that both played college hockey. Two, and I'm two really good ones. <laughs> and I'm so excited because yeah. it, it, it's, it's about me helping this program get to that next step and develop women's players, but also women's coaches and an experience that will last. And, and as I tell people, I got a vested interest because I have a six year old daughter who now is a Kachina and she is thrilled she's got all the stuff and all the hats and <laughs> she's starting little Leighton's in a couple weeks and she's getting you know so so it's you know I, I have a vested interest but I am fully engaged in helping this program get off the ground and and keep doing what I'm doing with uh, the Junior Coyotes boys okay so I, I promise we're going to get to the Rocky Mountain District in a minute because that is extremely important but uh, there's just so many things that have happened in this COVID year and I haven't had a chance to visit with you a lot about that but uh, one of the things that happened right before COVID hit was the Kachinas got their own rink in Mesa. Yes. And uh, so so that is a complete separate topic. But also that rink doesn't happen unless the Arizona Coyotes step up and help make that happen. So I know the Coyotes have gotten a lot of bad press uh, lately, and, and it's probably not totally fair because they do a lot of things in the community. And, and your Kachinas program, uh, Brendan, is – is one of the ones that is a shining star of what uh, NHL teams do to promote hockey in their own backyard. 100%. They've been amazing allies and partners to prop up the program. You're seeing executives from the team around the building, but also you're, you're getting an experience with these young girls that they finally have a place to call theirs. They're not second-class citizens to a boys' program. And I don't know of any other program in the West that has a girls' rink. And it was funny because I was talking to Barry Smith, who Coyotes, Blackhawks, Red Wings, right. Stanley Cups, etc. I said, yeah, we got a girls' rink. He's like, what's a girls' rink? And I said, <laughs> it's a rink that the primary tenant is the girls' program. And there are secondary tenants and, you know, high school and there's other teams, but that's the girls building. No different than Scottsdale is the Coyotes and Oceanside is the Sun Devils. Like everybody has their, this is now a girls rink. And it was yes. funny just to kind of explain that to him that this, the, the primary tenant is not a boys program. It's a girls program. And, and that's really exciting because that's a place to call their own and build and, we have to travel an awful lot because there's not a lot of girls programs. Once you get to the 16U, because your comparative age bracket is checking and we don't have checking. So we travel a lot. And I remember we had our first home game probably mid-January. And it was like, this is a big deal. This is our first home game. And that's what people don't realize. Like what it takes to become an elite level athlete 
is you got to go find the competition. The competition is not always going to come find you in this type of market. And that's, that's a big deal. So, you know, they've done a lot of great things and a lot of great things to come. And the, and the pipeline is really full with the development aspect of the program of players. And now it's how do people like myself and others elevate these players to the division one college ranks, et cetera. And that, and, and there've been a lot of girls that have come through the system that have made it, but they've had to have made it in, other cities, other states, uh, other areas to get there. And now they don't have to leave anymore. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, the other thing, and, and I'll put a bow on it with this, is that uh, the, the Arizona Kachinas program, when you see what the Coyotes and the Kachinas do together, uh, the Kachina jerseys back with the Arizona Coyotes, um, that everything that they do from bringing a player of the game out, where they have, I saw that the other day. I thought that was really, really cool how they highlight somebody from the program. For sure. Um, that, that brings it all in because um, if anybody's seen the Kachina jerseys, uh, hats, T-shirts, uh, jackets, whatever, they are the real thing of the Arizona Coyotes, correct? Absolutely. It's exactly the same. And so you, so they put that on. They go to the rink. They feel like, hey, they're part of the Arizona Coyotes, absolutely. which is which is really, uh, you know, we talk about how important it is to get the skills on the ice, but that gives you a little pumped up the chest type thing where you can you can go out on the ice and go, yeah, I'm a Kachina and you can't beat me type thing, right? Oh, for sure, and that, and that's a huge mindset aspect. Is when we play games now, we we expect to win, and we go in there not just to play. But we go in there with the expectation of we're the best team in the tournament or the best team in the area, and we expect to win every game. It's not, uh, hey, we're just happy to be here. It's it's not that feeling. It's we have an expectation, we have a goal, and that's what we're going to go to achieve. It doesn't mean we're always going to win, but we expect to win, and that's the mindset of the program. Absolutely. Well, as you probably know, we expanded our coverage area from the desert southwest to the southwest and included uh, Colorado, New Mexico, uh, Nevada, and we're branching off in the AHL next year into uh, Southern California. So uh, as I go to these different places, I see things like that, Brendan. I I spent five days up in in Vegas, and I I commented about the Henderson Silver Knights. I did a lot of my coverage up there on them, and I said, that team carries themselves like the Vegas Golden Knights, like – uh, we're from Henderson and you can't beat us. <laughs> and it's just, you can see it on the ice sure. and you can see that type of thing. And, and as I see their youth uh, programs developing, and I know they're going to end up with a really strong girls program as well down the road, but you guys are the ones that are laying the roadmap a lot like Greg Powers did for NCAA hockey in the West, uh, where he said, Hey, here's, here's the roadmap. Uh, if you guys can do this, this, and this, you can follow us, right? Absolutely, 100%. And that, and that's what it takes. I mean, we're still chasing the bigger markets, the bigger programs, the, the Colorados, et cetera. But we, we have our eyes set on that target where, you know, we're, we're ready to compete in the major markets of, you know, Michigan and Minnesota and Boston, et cetera. And then that's what our goal is. It's not just to be here and be happy to be here. It's we want to create opportunity for these young women. Okay, so let's jump into Rocky Mountain District Championship set up uh, to start on the 4th of March, correct? Yes. Uh, Thursday through Sunday? Correct. The championships all being played on Sunday? Yes. 
Okay. And you're going to utilize the rinks at uh, Iceton, Scottsdale, and Iceton Chandler. Am I missing anybody? Is it just those two? I, I think it's just those two. So, I, I, yeah, there's I think there's so right. many things going on as, as the market <laughs> has expanded. It's, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. But you did mention at the top about the uh, the level of competition of these groups coming in. Uh, tier one, tier two, um, you, you got really high quality players. And if anybody watched the World Junior Tournament on the boys, you know, obviously the men's side, uh, a lot of those players came through these programs, didn't they? Absolutely, and that and that's the thing. It's it that that was my point of reaching out to you is to make sure your group that follows you understands that if they like hockey, this you're going to see some future NHLers out here. You're going to see some future Division One women's college hockey players out here. So so if you got time. Come out and watch because it, it's it's for real. It's the best of the best in the entire Rocky Mountain District. Okay, I made an announcement at the, the start of the show that it's a big night in Vegas because the T-Mobile the Arena is allowing 2,600 fans in, and, and they're just like the tickets went in like 10 minutes, um, as you would expect. But uh, what's the situation for fans here? Can you get in? Do you, is there protocol to follow? How's that all going to work uh, for this weekend? Yeah, there, there's protocol, but I mean, most most kids, it's just one or two parents and a grandparent. But if it's something you want to watch and see, you got multiple facilities. Scottsdale's got three sheets of ice. Chandler's got two sheets of ice. You know, so there's a lot of opportunity just to, to be there and see what's going on, especially if you have a young player in your family who would like to see, you know, what is what does it look like? What does the best of the best look like? Or I'm 10 years old and what's it going to look like when I'm 16? It's a great opportunity to see that. And I think so, you know, for protocol wise, I, I know they do uh, temperature sensing and I know there's a process to go through and I've gone through it. I mean, it's been a really challenging year as a coach. You, you said it, I bet it I, was. I, I, I can't tell you how difficult it's been to be a coach and to create an experience, but also to follow the rules and not get your team quarantined for two weeks and try to, you know, really hammer down on kids that don't always realize that, you know, one situation could take our whole team out. And it happened It happened to my girls' team, and I've been very fortunate. It hasn't happened to my boys' team, but you got kids that are going to high school, and they're doing this, and each team's got 20 players. So every day I'm just like I, I probably have 100,000 contact points of potentially getting <laughs> – coronavirus and you know but beyond that it's wearing a mask on the ice and spending limited time in the locker room before or after the game to just you know protect yourself and protect your players and protect your families and it's it's been the most different unique and and things have changed for the good but also things have changed for the bad this year it's just you know, it's harder to build relationships with people because you can't spend time with them and, you know, they don't want you to spend time in the lobby. So you're walking outside the building and <laughs> it, it, it's very, it's very different. And, and it's, it's been a challenge and, you know, but we've, we've gotten to this point and I'm, I'm extremely excited. Okay. I'm going to get into a little more detail on what it takes to put this on because the people that are organizing this, when I look at the list of games and, and I'm looking at this, it says game 57 is the last one. Sure. Uh, that's a lot of referees, people off the ice. We're going to get all that. But when we're talking about coronavirus, um, a couple of things that, that I don't know if you've heard or not, but I'm going to tell you about them is Frank Saratori, the coach at Air Force, at the beginning of the season, uh, told uh, my co-host and I that um, – he was hoping to play 13 games 
because that would get him qualified at least by the numbers to qualify for the NCAA tournament. He said, I'll worry about the one loss record after that. And when you hear a college coach say that, that I just want to get my 13 games in first, and guess what? Uh, Air Force played 13 games, and yeah. now they're in the Atlantic Hockey Tournament trying to go forward from that. So that's one thing. And then uh, back to the Vegas side of things again, um, they've had more problems with uh, either themselves or teams. And I know Tucson Roadrunners said the same thing uh, with teams having a tough time with COVID. But um, Henderson just opened up their facility this year with the AHL franchise there. And lo and behold, like the first couple of weeks of the season, the uh, – coronavirus took over and got in the staff of the Golden Knights and they were able to take their Henderson coaching staff and move them right up to uh, coach a game for the Golden Knights. So it's been a bizarre year to say the least, but okay. So let's talk about uh, the championships and uh, how many people it takes to get this whole thing going. When you talk referees, scorekeepers, um, all of those things that go on, what does it take and how much planning is done to get this done? Well, I know the, the the people, the work that's put in by whether it's the Rocky Mountain District Board or the State Board of Arizona Hockey, and then it goes down to, you know, Christy Aguirre, who's the tournament chairperson, and Jeff Paschkowski, and the work they've had to put in. But then, like you said, we don't have enough high-level officials to officiate 57 games stacked up. We have enough to maybe run a showcase weekend. And that's what people don't understand about the, you know, the evolution of a sport like hockey is not only do you have to have the players, you have to have educated parents, you have to have educated scorekeepers, you have to have educated referees who can be at the level or else the game, you know, disintegrates quickly. And there's so many pieces to the puzzle. You know, you have referees coming in from other parts of the country and, some people can't leave their state due to COVID restrictions. And, and it's interesting where you take all those things like, uh, you know, I've already done some pre-planning. It's if we go to nationals, we're going to have a big gap. And a lot of teams, when they don't make it, they stop playing. So I've reached out to friends in different states and they're like, well, our state's different. We can't even have you in the building if you're from not in our state because of those are the rules. Because you're trying to find games, etc. But the planning aspect is just massive massive to operate massive to manage and you know there's a lot of states that just they haven't had the ability to practice or play and we feel very fortunate here as a state but i'm i'm super excited and i know everybody else is just to kind of come together yeah i totally agree with you i've been on both sides as well as you probably know i've refereed at the uh, level four level i've coached at the level four level in usa hockey and now i'm in the media side of things but um i know what it takes and uh, i'm sure you're going to agree with me when i say this but one of the things that that i'm most proud of this year in COVID is the way uh hockey in general has handled it right um i talk about it all the time with everybody that'll listen to me is that relevancy right especially our acha club programs and colleges um Mm -hmm. you have to stay relevant and that's the same thing with you guys i mean you you have to do things safely but you want to stay relevant and want to keep growing because you know that this coronavirus is going to come to an end at some point and the last thing you want to do is have to start all over so Talk about the uh, the relevance part of it. How how do you guys or what what did you do when things set up and you said, hey, we have to stay relevant, play games when we can, and and keep our uh, our players involved. 
Right. You have a responsibility. Like you think of a young athlete, they really have only 12 years of youth hockey. And you don't want to be able to lose that. But also there are players that are on track to have an experience or get looked at or get drafted or go to college. They can't afford to lose that year. It's it's not like you or I who, you know, our ship sailed. It's these players are <laughs> 16, 17 years old and they're looking down the line at, I want to be a Western Hockey League or I want to be a University of Denver player or I want to get drafted in the National Hockey League. Well, they can't just stop. They have to find a way. And that's the biggest thing is if it's passionate. And, and I'll tell you, the most one of the most incredible things that I remember seeing early on was with California still being closed, you would see California people actually driving to Arizona just to practice. <laughs> yes. Because they had to, they knew, okay, we got a showcase in Detroit in two weeks. And those, ring, those buildings were closed for so long, they can't just not do anything. They have to find a way. And, and that's the biggest thing. And I, I think the perseverance aspect of everybody – understanding is this important to you and if it is you got to make some sacrifices it's it's kind of like i always tell people when i was younger you know guys that i knew we, going to prom wasn't the most important thing or going to this wasn't the most important it's the same thing right now it's you have to make choices for your future and if you're a young player who is excited about what they're doing you're going to make those sacrifices, which may mean not going to my buddy's house to play around because I'm an elite athlete and I'm afraid of getting COVID. Not afraid of getting sick, but I just don't want to get quarantined or I don't want to get my team shut down. And you're constantly, as a coach, relaying the message of keep your mask on, keep this, do that. And, and, and you know, sometimes it get, you, know, you feel like you're an annoyance, but... <laughs> I understand how important this is for their future, even if they don't realize it at times. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, I'll kind of wrap things up with you on, on this one. Uh, when you look at, at your teams, um, boys, girls, whatever, um, how strong and, and how, how good of a chance, should I say, do they have a win in these district championships? What's, what's the odds? Well, I know my, my boys' team, we're in the best of three now. And, you know, the, the first team that wins two goes to nationals. The girls' team, um, for for my squad at, at 16U, we finished the West in first place. So I would say we're the favorite. But our competition is very strong. And by no means is any game going to be easy. We're going to have to play through it. And we're going to have to create, you know, an environment of success and how do we do that? And I think we're ready for the challenge, but uh, you know, it's, it's the aspect of pressure being it's only the second year of the program. I'm trying to create pressure. So it becomes comfortable. It's as I would tell anybody, you don't know how you're going to feel when 15,000 people are booing you until you feel (laughs) that you don't know what it feels like. You don't know how your bodies are going to respond. Or, you know, you watch golfers, you imagine a, a putt that's worth a million dollars. You can't simulate that. You you can't understand it until you're, you're there, and that's how your body learns. So a lot of the stuff that we've tried to do is just create experience so we're prepared if things are going well or things are not going well. And with young people, that's that's the biggest thing you got to do is, is, is create experience so there's a – familiarity to stress and to pressure and how do you persevere in that pressure. So, but, but I, I think uh, both of my teams have a really good chance and uh, I've been very fortunate. I would say I, I may have coached the most games in the entire 
state so far. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably close to 85 at this point in time. But, uh, you know, it was it was like, uh, you know, on Sunday I had a boys game and then I had a soccer game for my son and then I had a girls game. And it's like, hey, as long as they don't overlap, I'll be fine. Uh, that just keeps you young, my friend. It just Absolutely. keeps you young. Okay, one, one final thing. I do want to give a shout out to uh, – all the girls that are uh, advancing into the uh, college ranks and right here in Arizona with, with the Grand Canyon uh, University Lopes and, of course, the Arizona State Sun Devils and the growth with that. And I knew that that new rink at Arizona is going to put pressure on to get a women's NCAA program going. So uh, congratulations to you and on all the work that you do and everybody around you because I know you don't do it alone. You've got plenty of great coaches at all levels, and it's really fun. So thanks for getting in touch with me today to, to bring this up and talk Rocky Mountain District Championships. And, folks, if you want to get out and see it, starts Thursday night. I think 545 is game number one, and it'll go right on through until uh, the evening of Sunday night. So lots of great hockey. Get out and do it. Brendan, thanks for joining me. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that's Brendan Shaw, who does a little bit of everything, as you just heard. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk AHL hockey in just a minute. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at circusports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at circusports.com. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. shot of the best tasting tequila then roger klein's cancion tequila is the brand for you award-winning roger klein's cancion tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day find your bottle be it in arizona or elsewhere in the u.s visit us at mexicanmoonshine.com roger klein's cancion tequila award-winning taste since 2011 
I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. All right, welcome back in, professional hockey fans. Anywhere that you may be listening to us live, of course, on the Podbean app. Again, a little bit early recording today for very good reason. We had to bring our special guest in a little early. Brendan Chad just joined us uh, for, wow, a good uh, 30 minutes plus uh, talking hockey here in the desert southwest of Rocky Mountain District Championships. The Arizona Kachinas, who, of course, are funded uh, primarily by the Arizona Coyotes. So all of that good stuff. Um, also, uh, we have some AHL stuff to talk about. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, but when we talk about what's going on in the, in the world of uh, professional hockey, especially in a COVID era, oh, my goodness. I mean, where do you start? Because uh, it, it, there's so many changes going on at every level, and uh, it, it affects every level. I mean, COVID just doesn't affect a certain group of people. It's affecting every group of people. So. Um, I want to jump in and talk a little AHL uh, stuff, and then in a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by my co-host uh, that talks with me on Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and has helped me out a ton in Las Vegas covering the Henderson Silver Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights. Stephen Marsh will join me in just a few minutes. But um, let's give a quick rundown of the Pacific Division and the American Hockey League. Um, when you see the, the uh, standings, folks, and you look at the points, you go, why is there – a team of 14 points uh, in third place behind a team of 10 points and so on and so forth. Uh, because of the COVID season, uh, they are actually running off of percentages in addition to points. So until all of them play equal games and make sure they play equal games, um, they will have a percentage ranking. So in the Pacific, the Henderson Silver Knights, first-year program, first-year team, uh, off to an incredible start. Nine games played, eight wins. Um and 16 points and a winning percentage of 0.889. That's getting work done in your first nine games. Still undefeated at home as well for the Silver Knights. And I've had a chance to see all their home games and been very, very impressed with what they do on the ice and the coaching staff of Manny Viveros and uh, his staff, what they do. So congratulations to the Silver Knights for getting the uh, top spot right now. Second place, the Tucson Roadrunners, my good friend Steve Potvin, uh, coaching that team in his first um, year as the head coach of the Roadrunners. 7-14 winning percentage, seven games played, five wins, two losses, uh, no ties. 
Um, and then you look at uh, the team that I also saw this weekend, the San Diego Gulls, who came in uh, pushing the envelope to be the number one team in the division right now. The Gulls played 11 games so far, 7-4-0, and 14 points and a winning percentage of .636. And then we look at San Jose, and of course San Jose, a little near and dear to our heart because we have uh, the Passionate Brothers, Steen and Brinson, both on that roster right now, the San Jose Barracuda, making a move, climbing up a little bit. Uh, six games played, 3-2-1 for seven points and a winning percentage of 583. Um, Colorado Eagles uh, in fifth place right now, eight games played, 3-3-2, three, three and two, uh, eight points and a 500 winning percentage. And then, of course, the Bakersfield Condors, uh, seven games played, 2-5-0 and oh for four points and a .286 winning percentage. And uh, the Ontario Reign in seventh place right now with uh, 10 games played. So they've played the second most of the uh, division. 1-8-1, they're off to a slow start with three points and a .150 winning percentage. And, of course, Stockton would normally be uh, in this group. They opted out of the uh, 21 season. So they will come back as a team this fall when the 21-22 season gets underway. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, keep your fingers crossed that everything is settled down a lot more by September, October uh, to be able to bring them on along with everybody else and very healthy um, fan-based uh, um, games season. <laughs> so that's what we'll hope for. Okay, so I'm going to wait uh, to make this announcement uh, because Stephen Marsh, as I said, will be joining me here shortly. And uh, there was some news out of the AHL today about uh, a Henderson Silver Knight. Uh, I'm going to let Stephen bring that to you because uh, he's been there uh, along with me, but he's been there to the practices and doing the one-on-ones and doing some great features. So I believe it's only fair to let him make that announcement. But when we look down the road, folks uh, – the uh, AHL has decided on a, I think, 40-game schedule. So uh, when you look right now, they've played nearly a quarter of their season uh, in this unusual year. And when you when you look at just 40 games, man, oh, man, you have to be sharp. Because, again, like in the NHL, that, the NHL is going to play 16 more games. But you just can't afford to have any kind of losing streak. And shout out to the Silver Knights and Tucson and, uh, and San Diego and – uh, those teams for, for jumping out quick, fast, hard. They realize the importance of it. Of course, in the American Hockey League, it's not just about um, winning hockey games. It's about putting a program together where your guys can advance to the next level and achieve things. As you heard uh, Steve Potvin tell me a couple of weeks ago when he was on our show, uh, development is equally as important as winning games. And uh, he looked at it as my job is to move these guys up to the highest level they can play at because I know there's more people that are going to want to come in and take their spots and work their way up as well. So uh, a lot of things happening. Um, the other thing with the AHL that I'm so excited about is the fact that they've really, really kept their teams engaged, even without fans, um, AHL TV, uh, TV, I guess, and uh, the local channels have put games on. I know Saturday the game was on locally in, in uh, the Las Vegas area. And I know Tucson's got some games coming up, and I'm sure Colorado the same. So lots of things happening out there that um, are keeping relevancy. And I, I just can't tell you enough about uh, how important that is, especially in COVID times, that uh, you want to stay relevant. Because if you don't, 
your fans are going to go somewhere else and you're going to have to work really hard to bring them back again. So um, relevancy is the name of the game. I think hockey has done it as good as any sport, whether it be uh, the professional level or uh, college level or amateur level. They've done all kinds of things to make sure that they stay relevant, including the outdoor game, which we saw in the NHL uh, not long ago. Um, a couple other things I want to say that I just happened to see this weekend was uh, the Colorado Avalanche and the and the Coyotes played, and the Avalanche showed their strength. Uh, the Coyotes are uh, showed that they are very close to meeting that level, but the Avalanche are just a, a team that's stacked from top to bottom. And uh, shout out to to Hunter Miska, the former UMD Bulldog, for getting his first win right here in Glendale, Arizona. Then the Vegas Golden Knights got on the ice, and uh, you saw what they could do. I mean, they had a chance to. Uh, to play and, and do some wonderful things. And we saw that with uh, the way they won an overtime game, William Carlson scoring two big goals and Mark Andre Fleury doing Mark Andre Fleury things. And at the AHA level, uh, AHL level, we saw some great things in Henderson. So lots of good stuff going on on the professional hockey side of things here in the Southwest. Um, I dragged him in early. Normally he would be on on a Wednesday, but I told him, I said, Stephen, I need to have you come on and talk about what's going on in Henderson with a goaltender named Logan Thompson. Stephen Marsh, how are you? Well, I'm doing doing okay. Uh, yeah, Logan Thompson, the number one number one goaltender of the month uh, for the AHL. Pretty good honor for him. But uh, you know, yeah. you and I, you and I had a chance to to see a lot of uh, Henderson Silver Knight action this week. We saw three games in what less than four days i guess you would say and it didn't include him (laughs) and the henderson silver knights uh earned the sweep over a very good san diego golf team but uh you've seen logan i've seen logan i said from the start i think he's going to be really really good at this level and i I joked with you and everybody else uh that would that would listen to me about maybe logan thompson and, and patrick brown of the henderson silver knights have bungee cords on them because they go back and forth between the, the big club and the AHL club. But um, just talk a little bit about what Logan has brought to the Henderson Silver Knights and what got him that uh, CCM AHL Goaltender of the Month award. Well, he he's had a good. He's had five starts. He's uh, he's well, he was only lost one game in those starts, and even in that game that he lost against Bakersfield, he still stopped over. 40 shots. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Uh, and, and, you know, he's had quite the the story because, you know, he was signed by the golden Knights, uh, in the, this year, this last year in the off season and they bring him over. He spent some time in the ECHL before that last season for a lot of his time. He's, he's, uh, he's also been, you know, making his way through the, through the ranks. And now he gets a chance to be with the AHL team. And even just this past uh, weekend in Anaheim, he was the backup to Flurry, so he was on the bench there, dressed as in an NHL uniform, and on the bench there behind Flurry. And so that was a great uh, honor for him. And uh, Pete DeBoer had some really nice things to say. The head coach of the Golden Knights had some nice things to say about him uh, after immediate availability. Just they were talking about some things, and uh, that was very complimentary of his game. And it could see him being on an NHL roster at some point maybe it's the golden knights maybe it's not but we hope um but it 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 really it just shows you the good goaltending in this organization is 
Top Knot, because you have Dance. You have that, that's Optic. Right, that's right. That's what I was going to say, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to say when when everybody looked at the goaltenders and they said, for the Golden Knights I'm talking about now, and they said Robin Leonard, Marc-Andre Florial, they can't keep both. they got to get rid of them. Now you see how important Marc-Andre was to uh, be kept because I think everybody thought that Robin Leonard was the future, and maybe he is. But uh, with his injury, Marc-Andre was outstanding uh, so far in, in every game that he's been in. And you look at a guy like Logan Thompson, and he's learning from two of the best and applying it uh, right, right at the AHL level. Well, and as a, and at, and on Saturday he was sitting there on the bench, uh, right, being able to watch right, right in front of him what, what was going on and what what the Golden Knights were doing. Of course, how how Flurry plays. I mean, it's it's one thing to to see uh, Flurry from afar, watching it on TV, or even just seeing it at practice, but to see him up close in game action uh, like Thompson got to do on Saturday was remarkable. And Flurry, don't get me wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, he made some outstanding saves in that game too against the Ducks. So, I mean, he, he, to see that right in front of you as you're sitting there, uh, it, to learn from the best like Flurry is and, and Leonard is good too, and, and to have that, it's it's just a benefit from – the, from that, you know, we talked. We did an AHL special that that is going to be up at some point, and it's and, up right now, my oh, friend. Oh, it's up it now. Up right now. Okay. Oh, yes. oh then, um, if you just don't mind me talking for a little while, but <laughs> <laughs> if we can get past that, but we mentioned you mentioned how hard it is for goaltenders to how hard it is for goaltenders to get spots in the in the rosters because there's not as many openings, but you know, if you could get an opportunity to to get your foot in there. Uh, or to you know get your skates in there, then that's that's even a better, uh, better chance. But you know it's, but to have what they have and and to be able to rotate right now that they're able to do, you know, dance is now back up there in the taxi squad. You know he got some game games in, and my guess is that dance might see some NHL action here. He's seen some NHL action before. He might see some NHL action this week because of the able be able to uh, have a couple back to back games with San Jose this weekend, and I'm sure. They'd want to give Flurry a little bit of a break, so I, I would imagine that maybe Dance would be in one of those games. But then Dance hadn't played, so he came down and played some games. So it's it's right now it's it even turns out to be more of a luxury than it, than it maybe is normally because with with Leonard being out and you wanting somebody to to be backed up to to Flurry, and then you need somebody as a third goalie up there on the taxi squad. So Ferguson or Thompson get up there, and then that leaves one left to play on the Silver Knight. So. And the Silver Knights have a bent luxury because they don't play till Friday when they go to Colorado to play the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, it's and the Golden Knights have two games before that at home. So, yeah, I mean, and the Golden Knights are playing tonight, first time with fans. With fans uh, at a, Team there's, Mobile, there's a buzz. Twenty six hundred. There's a buzz in the city, <laughs> just like there was when the very first game is going to happen. There's a, there's another buzz. There's excitement on the radio. There's buzz in the the city that the the fans are, are allowed in Team Mobile. They they showed some people hanging out at Toshiba Plaza, which you hadn't really seen, before, obviously, for a while <laughs> right. now. And, and yeah, 2,600 fans or so are going to be allowed inside T-Mobile tonight for the game, and they'll be spread out across the arena. And and it should be uh, it should be exciting. The players, uh, they talked with the players this morning about that, and they seem excited about that. The coach, Coach DeBoer, is excited about that as well. And, and yeah, it may not sound like it's a lot. You know, we're used to 18,000-plus fans in T-Mobile cheering this team on. But when you put oh, let, with, let me tell you that – the challenge tonight, my friend, will be how loud can those 2,600 get because uh, you and I have both been to T-Mobile. We know what it's like. 
uh, when when eighteen thousand are going crazy, and I'll bet you there's going to be some some pretty loud people making some noises uh, to let those guys know that uh, they're in the building, and it's a battle for first place. It's a big game, yeah, absolutely, big game with Minnesota, and and they're spread out the fans pretty pretty evenly, I believe, throughout T-Mobile, and so they're going to be not just kind of in two different spots; they'll be kind of spaced out in different areas. So it probably will echo pretty good. And, and when you've been playing with no fans, 2,600 fans is going to sound like uh, it's going to sound really loud. So uh, I, I expect the Golden Knights fans, as they always do, they're up to the task. And they know that it's not – they know that uh, this team has been wanting their fans to come back, and, and now they can do it in, in, a, in somewhat of a limited capacity. They will make sure that their voices are heard tonight, I'm sure. Those 2,600 fans are going to – it's going to sound a lot louder than that, I'm sure. Well, I, uh, before you came on, I had Brendan Shaw with the uh, Arizona Kachinas, and he was talking about the Rocky Mountain District Championships and all the things. And Brendan's seen hockey at every level. He coaches a, a girls' team and a boys' team, the same level. Um, but I was talking to him about the, the fact that the Kachina jersey came back for the Arizona Coyotes this year, and the Kachinas girls' program has the exact same logo on their jerseys and how it makes them feel like they're a part of the NHL club. And I brought that up to you and others in Vegas as well, is that I don't know how things work out like they do for Vegas, but, man, I'm, I'm happy for it. But Henderson comes in with their new uh, AHL facility, their new AHL team. They immediately have to, as you've mentioned before, have their coaches coach the Golden Knights. <laughs> so, so, so that happened. Um, if their players are close. But when you watch, and, and I told you this since the first time I saw the Silver Knights on the ice, I said, they carry themselves differently. They carry themselves like they're winners already, and that's got a lot to do with the organization above them. Right. I mean, it, it's for sure. And, and you look at when you, go to a, when you go to a game, into a game, a Silver Knights game, and they get ready to play – I think in that locker room, they expect that they're going to win. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. It doesn't matter who, who what the situation is. They they expect to win, and that's what you should be. That's to be the mindset you have is that you expect to win the game. And I, I and I would think that every team has that mindset, but I, I'm not so sure that every game you go in thinking, oh, we're gonna we're gonna win. But it's uh, you got to have that mindset, and and they and also they have the mindset that no matter the situation. We're always in the game. I mean, there's times where the Silver Knights were, were down. Even this weekend against San Diego, they were down at times. And you think, oh, well, the other team is taking control of this game. They, they capitalized on a, on a power play or they, you know, they took the lead. And then the, the Silver Knights come back. They regroup. And then, the third, and then they come out in the third period. And they overtake and they win the game. The Golden Knights have done that many times in the NHL. So, um not every time, but for the most part they do. And and that's what you want. And that you're not gonna win every game, but you expect to win it. Even the game they lost to Bakersfield, they were it was a they were in that game to the to the end. Um, even if they even when you're not playing your best, if you can get a steal a, a couple of games too, it's uh it's a good thing. So yeah, th- this is an organization that from the top to the bottom is expected to win. And we saw that of course the very first season with the Golden Knights almost winning the Stanley Cup and and always shuffling around looking for the better players or looking to improve the rosters and 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 we see that with the silver knights because some of these guys have come over from other teams like a patrick brown wasn't with, from the golden knights from the beginning he came over from from um 
Char- uh, I think the organization that Charlotte was in, so that would be uh, Carolina. So they, they brought they brought other players. Logan Thompson was somebody they just brought over uh, this year that they they signed. So um, it's that's what that's you're always looking to improve, and and I think that's what makes the Golden Knight organization such a top notch organization is because they always are looking to improve. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you jumping in on a, a short notice, but I saw that uh, come out across the uh, press release today, and I said I got to bring Stephen on for it. And you mentioned that the, uh, the the Golden Knights don't lose very often. The only time they lose, I think, is when they wear those gold metallic helmets. <laughs> That's right. I, we don't we don't know if they're going to wear them tonight or not. But uh, I they- knew. It. That was driven just for you, my friend. I just, well, had, to, I just had to poke you a little bit about that one. But. Well, sorry about the delayed reaction. I had to unmute myself there, but I'm, I'm just using my headphones tonight. I'm not using okay. the big setup. But, yeah, it's the gold helmets are 0-2, so that they better not wear those helmets tonight, especially with the fans in the building. Um, I love because it. I don't know if the fans like them too much, so I don't know if – I'm sure the fans would cheer it either way because uh, it's their team. But, but uh, yeah, I, all right, so we've got lots of good stuff coming up for you. We got the uh, the Silver Knights in Colorado. I hope to be there. I just got word right now that my game on Thursday night between Denver and Colorado College has been canceled. Uh, so I I got to dig into and find out what happened. That came up during the show. So Thursday night in Colorado is not happening. <laughs> so we'll see what uh, what happens from there. But thanks again for jumping on. I uh, I knew that we had to get you on and talk about it and. What a great weekend it was in in uh, the Orleans, and everybody get out and check out the website and YouTube, and check out our uh, AHL special that Steve and I did for the uh, Sunday special. And, and I just want to I just want to add this: the Silver Knights games are are a lot of fun, and and obviously right now the only thing we know of home games is, is an empty arena. We hope that'll change. You know, as we said, Golden Knights fans are starting to be able to go to Golden Knights games starting tonight. The next home game for the Silver Knights isn't for a couple of weeks as, as March Madness takes over the Orleans there, so the basketball will be in there. So a couple of weeks they'll, have, they'll be on the road uh, for road games. But, you know, hopefully at the 20th, I believe, is the next home game. They'll be able to allow some fans in there. And, and it's a lot of fun. Like I, like I said on the, the special we did, it's, uh, it's, it's a great chance to see some of the up-and-coming players play. It's, it's a high-level hockey. I mean, it's just a notch below the NHL. In some cases, it's, it's almost – the level of the NHL as these players are trying to work their way to the NHL level. And in some cases they come down, you know, some players have to come down for a period of time too and work on things. So you sometimes see that. And it's just, uh, you know, you want, and this, the city has much as the city has embraced the golden Knights and now they have a chance to really get a deeper connection with this organization, with the silver Knights and to be able to go to the games. And, and it gives a lot more people an opportunity to go to a game because you know, not everybody can in normal times. Not everybody can go to a Golden Knights game. The tickets are pretty high, and it's it's pretty tough to get a ticket. And sometimes. they're hard to get. Yeah, right. They're hard to get. But the Silver Knights are going to be hopefully you know well more affordable, and there'll be more more of an option for people to see some good hockey at the uh, at the NA at that at that level. Even if it's not the NHL, at least they can. It's still some great great hockey, and and they'll be able to be more affordable and. And uh, it'll be another option for people to to do that. So and 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 they and they'll what can't wait for them to see the town crier in person. <laughs> okay, hold on, stop it because that's how I was going to end the show oh, for you okay. today. Okay, okay, okay. Here here it comes. This is my impression of the town crier for you. So get ready. I'm going to do this in honor of uh, Logan Thompson. So um, we'll try it. <clears throat> <clears throat> do do do. 
Okay, the CCM AHL Goaltender of the Month, Logan Thompson from House Henderson. How'd I do? <laughs> Leave no it to comment. The town crier. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> Don't quit your day job, Scott. Don't quit okay. your day job. <laughs> I love it. I've been waiting all day to do that. So yeah, you all sound right, like everyone. you were really excited to yeah. do that too. I'm glad I was I, on for that. <laughs> that one will be clipped, no doubt, and uh, saved somewhere, I'm sure. So oh yeah, all right, I'm Stephen Marsh. Stephen Marsh, thanks for uh, for joining us and uh, introducing uh, the CCM AHL Goalie of the Month, Logan Thompson from the Henderson Silver Knights. Also, want to thank my uh, my first guest, my special guest, uh, Brendan Shaw from the Kachinas and the Rocky Mountain District Championships and the Junior Coyotes and uh, Rival Sports Media. I mean, Rivals Media, whatever. Uh, he does everything. I don't even know the guy has time to sleep, but. Uh, congratulations to uh, his group for getting in and for putting on the Rocky Mountain District Championships. We will say goodnight right now with a little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. De Niro, goodnight, everybody.